gathered together in church. Uh, this year has been a testament to me how important it is for us to be together and how we long to be able to have all of us in the same room together, hugging each other again. As I'm seeing new people starting coming back, boy, I just want to hug you and I'm so glad. And I want to acknowledge that Alex is here. We've been praying for Alex and out of the hospital and we're glad you're here. Glad mom and dad don't have to sleep on a cot in the hospital. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. We continue in Luke uh, chapter 19 today, and as Mark said, we're going to be talking about Zacchaeus, uh, but I want to tell you about a story first. Um, back in April 9th of 2015, a tornado touched down uh, in Lee County in Illinois at 6.39 p.m. It stayed on the ground for 41 minutes, and it tore through the cities of Rochelle and Fairdale, and Jeannie and I had an opportunity with a group of people from the village church to go, I'm from the bridge church to go help uh, people that had been hurt by this tornado. You'd come into a neighborhood and you would see like houses that are completely gone next to a house that's completely untouched. It was kind of a strange experience to see how devastating it was where the tornado went and that right across the street, the neighborhood would be basically untouched except debris would have been thrown into their yard. Uh, it was devastating for those neighborhoods. And when we went to help, uh, people, you know, normally I wouldn't feel comfortable going up to somebody's door, knocking on the door, hey, I'm here to help. You don't know me? Uh, that wasn't, I wouldn't do that in normal circumstances. But in a circumstance of desperation, uh, they were willing to take any help they could get. There was almost an expectation that we were trustworthy because we had shown up with a work crew and we had tools in our hands and we we're willing to do whatever, inside the house or outside the house, if the house was even there. It was amazing to see how willing people were to receive help and how exciting it was to make a difference in people's lives when things were that desperate. I don't know if any of you had a chance to drive by that devastation. It wasn't that far from us. The winds grew to 200 miles per hour as they uh, swept through those, uh, you know, it didn't make any difference whether you were rich or not. If it hit your house, your house was gone. It didn't make any difference if you were popular or not. It didn't make any difference if you were in good standing in your community or if people thought much of you. The truth is, is if a tornado hit you, you was, it was devastation. No houses are built for 200-mile-an-hour winds, in our area at least. That devastation is much like what people had experienced in the time of Christ. For some, they felt like their house had already been leveled from a moral standpoint before God, and that they had no chance. And yet those were the ones who were entering into the kingdom seemingly without any hindrance at all. And we're joining Jesus and his, as his disciples. This is a story, the story of Zacchaeus, that stands in stark opposition to the rich ruler in the way that Jesus responds to this guy and the way that this guy responds to Jesus. 
So let's look at Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, and read about this wee little man, which is probably what children know most about Zacchaeus, is that he was a wee little man. In Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was so small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He he had gone in to to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord... The half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for the testimony of Jesus' teaching as he headed to the cross, the focus that he had on the cross because he loved us, he went to die for us. Thank you for the hope that we have as those whose houses are morally bankrupt and have been devastated. Thank you that redemption and salvation is available to us as it is to every person who understands their position. In Jesus' name, amen. This story begins, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Well, if you know your uh, landscape around Jerusalem, Jericho is 15 or 16 mile walk from, uh, to Jerusalem. It's uphill to Jerusalem. Jericho is nestled by the Dead Sea, so it's one of the lowest places on earth. Uh, Jericho was a uh, a very wealthy area because of trade. A lot of trade came through Jericho on its way to Jerusalem and on its way south. Uh, Jews would go into Jericho to avoid Samaria when they went up to Galilee. So the road to Jericho was a common road. And Jesus is out now very close to the week of Passion, the week that he is going to give his life. So as Luke began talking about Jerusalem, he's on his way to Jerusalem, he's on his way to south, That has lasted for chapters. Now, in chapter 19, he's basically saying, we're close. We're close to the end. Jesus' face is towards the cross, towards his rejection. It has been stated by one of his disciples, let's go to Jerusalem to die. They all won't give their lives, but Jesus will. And as he turns his face towards Jerusalem, he comes in to Jericho on his trip that direction. Jericho has been mentioned already um, in the previous chapter. He was about to Jerusalem when the blind man came and saw him. Verse 11 of chapter, I'm sorry, verse 9 of chapter 18, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. This is the background of these stories that people are seeing uh, themselves as better than others. And here is Zacchaeus, who is thought of as less. 
And Jesus is passing through Jericho to get to Jerusalem. He also is on a mission. And I, and I think of myself, I have a mission just about every day that I head out. When I head out of the house, usually I have some place that I'm going. I have a to-do list. Somebody needs my help and, it, and throws me off of my plan. It can frustrate me. Jesus is declaring, this is part of my plan to pause here in Jericho and eat with Zacchaeus. This isn't a chance meeting, and it isn't an unimportant meeting to Jesus. He came for all of the Zacchaeuses that are willing to receive him. So he's coming with his face towards Jerusalem, and there's this tension that's all around him of those who are wealthy in all different kinds of ways and those who are weak in all different kinds of ways. And he keeps collecting people who are the losers of society while those who are rich in certain ways seem to miss it completely. In verse 2 it says, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. So the descriptions of Zacchaeus, we find out later that he's a child of Abraham. He's a chief tax collector. He's rich. So we've already heard as the rich people and the rulers in a kind of a negative light in Luke, but that hasn't been Jesus' point. Here we see somebody that's in authority in Jericho, somebody who is a chief tax collector, which probably means that he has tax collectors underneath him, and he reports directly to the rulers in Rome, and he is giving them their funds. He is someone who's trusted by the Romans. He is someone who has a position in front of the Romans, over and above other Jews. This isn't a man without position and prominence. He's a rich man. And in that day, there was more upper class and lower class. There wasn't really a middle class. So this is part of the upper class in Jericho. And he's coming to see Jesus. The, what's the difference in the way that he approaches Jesus and the rich ruler? The rich ruler comes to Jesus full of his, what he has to offer Jesus. Full of what he can say. All, all people have declared he's a good person. This is the guy that you can trust. This is the guy that is good. And Jesus, he comes to Jesus not really looking for a savior, He's looking for, like, what's the one thing I missed? Zacchaeus comes empty and broken. And we'll see that. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. And for that verse, he gets known as a wee little man. But the Inability to get through the crowd to see Jesus was not just a matter of his height. We'll find out later on in the story that it had an awful lot to do with how people viewed him. The crowd didn't like him. The crowd didn't think much of him. The crowd wasn't going to make way for him and give him a position of prominence among the Jews. There's a whole bunch of people that have come to see Jesus, a whole bunch of people that are expecting to be received by Jesus, and they're not going to put Zacchaeus foot forward. They expect Jesus to know that Zacchaeus is less than the rest. In fact, if Jesus would have been wise, he, maybe he should have sent a disciple ahead and found out who are the prominent people so that he could honor the prominent people, found out who the trusted people are so he could 
honor the trust of people, and he could understand the social order of the day. Zacchaeus is out. He's not respected. If you want to talk to someone, talk to a rabbi or talk to someone who has good standing in our community. Zacchaeus is the one without good standing, and he can't get close enough to see Jesus. And he's short also. The shortness, and Jesus, the scriptures don't usually describe people's, what they look like or what their attributes are physically. And maybe there's a part of this that, you know, he has to climb a tree and he's, they're explaining why he has to climb a tree because he's short and he couldn't get a, a poor seat or a poor spot with this entourage coming into Jericho. But I think it also stands that there are lots of reasons we reject people. I think he was thought of less because he was short. I think this man is thought of less in the community, across the board. So what does he do? He does a dishonorable thing. He ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Men of honor do not climb trees. He's climbing a tree. A sycamore tree has a low trunk where the branches come out. They're big trees, and the the branches tend to come out level. He would have gotten a good seat up there, but it is not a favored thing to do to start climbing trees. He's throwing his honor to the wind to a degree as he climbs this tree. He just wants to see Jesus. That's his main goal. He's willing to be dishonored to see Jesus. His safest place is to stay home and not even show up and take the disdain and the disregard by the crowd. He faces that dishonor just to see Jesus. Well, his house had been ruined. He was desperate, which is essential when we come to Jesus in the gospel. We come desperate. We come acknowledging that our houses are ruined. There is a different kind of openness when we have been leveled. He ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree for he he was about to pass that way. In verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Rejoice, Jesus wants to come to your home. Rejoice, Jesus is coming to your neighborhood. Rejoice, Jesus has come and would pause his trek to Jerusalem to be with Zacchaeus. Why? Why did he pick Zacchaeus? There were all those people that were closer, that were more honorable, that would have increased his position in Jericho. Wouldn't it have been better if he'd have played the political game and honored the people who should be honored and blessed the people who should be blessed and go to the homes? He's been to the homes of the powerful already. He's been to their parties alongside of the tax collectors and the sinners from a human perspective. And yet Jesus looks up in this God-ordained moment and seeks Zacchaeus 
and says that I must stay at your house today. And I have to pause for a moment and ask you what would it be like if Jesus did that to you today and wanted to go to your house, wanted to look in your closets, wanted to look on the things you've been watching on Netflix or if you, I don't know if you have the annoying thing on your phone that tells you how much solitaire you've played on your phone. <laughs> Jesus, you seen how much solitaire I've played on my phone? I mean, coming to your home is, is intimate. It means he's going to see who you really are. How many of us would want Jesus to come to our home? What would make us want to break through those fears? Because none of us have completely clean houses. All of our houses are wrecked by sin. All of our lives are tainted by sin. And all of us need a Savior. Would you be the one who would go shove things in a closet to clean up so that Jesus wouldn't see what it is you do or think or say? Would you change your language and change the way you treat your spouse, but all of a sudden you become really sweet to your spouse or your parents? Some of you are already sweet to your parents. <laughs> all of us would have a little bit of fear and trepidation if Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. And here he says, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus rejoices. Why? Well, for the same reason they rejoiced when we went to their house after it had been devastated by a tornado. Because they were desperate. They needed a savior. Rejoice. Jesus wants to come to your home. We'll see by the end of this that this wasn't just Zacchaeus seeking Jesus, but Jesus is seeking us. Jesus does want to come to our homes. Rejoice. Jesus wants to come to your home. Repent. Jesus wants to come to your home. Look at verses 7 and 8. In verses 7 and 8, it says, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. This is a little different than what we've heard in Luke so far. So far in Luke, the people that have grumbled have been the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, it's the whole town. It's everybody who showed up to see Jesus. This, he's not distinguishing now Pharisees and scribes. They're, everybody's grumbling. Jesus picked poorly who he went to have dinner with. They're grumbling. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. You think Jesus knew who he was? I think Jesus knew who he was far better than any of them. But Jesus also knew who they were. He knew their need. Why did Jesus pick Zacchaeus? And why is it put so prominently in the scriptures as he's heading to Jerusalem that this would be one of his interactions that we get to read about? I must go to your house today. Jesus is declaring that those who are lost are savable and wanted by God. How would you feel if you were one of his disciples? If you were walking with Jesus and you grew up 
in the first century and you knew the social order and you knew who was supposed to be respected, you were probably taught from a young age to give honor to the rabbi and stay away from those who are less than helpful for you to do well in life. So you've got a list of people that you're supposed to stay away from and you have a list of people that you're supposed to honor and respect. I have that list. I put into me from my, from my childhood. What's the problem with the lists? I, I taught my children who to respect and who to be careful around. The problem is that in the church, it is a very dangerous thing for us to decide who's good and who's bad enough for the church. The church cannot abide, entertain, or include an us-versus-them attitude or mentality and remain on mission with Christ. Let me say that again. I took some time to write this statement that I'm going to read because I think it, it says what I think is the heart of this and it, what is problematic for churches today still. The church cannot abide, entertain, or include an us-versus-them mentality and remain on mission with Christ. Another way to say it is the disciples couldn't come to Jericho and honor those who humans honored and disregard the poor and keep step with Christ. We are in the business of breaking down social, racial, racial, economic, gender, and yes, even moral barriers to advance the gospel. That's our job. Jesus was the only one who had a house that hadn't been knocked down morally, devastated morally. And he loved us. We have no sound footing before the gospel to not love our neighbor and to reach out to those who are less than or hurting. In other words, the doors of the church are open. And the people of the church should be welcoming any and all, rich and poor, and any other thing that would keep us from the gospel and keep others from the gospel. What does that mean? Well, for a church, that means that we can't decide we are a church of this kind of people because these are the people that we like. We are a church that follows Jesus in the mission field where he sends us, into the appointments that he sends us, and we cannot prohibit any from coming to the gospel because of our prejudice. That's the application of the gospel. Thank God, because we were chosen, those of us who are Christians. Thank God that he wasn't prejudiced against us. Thank God that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Thank you that he's a missional God, and we are his children. Rejoice, Jesus wants to come to your home. Repent, Jesus wants to come to your home. In verse 8 it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. When we compare this with the rich ruler, the rich ruler comes to Jesus, this young guy comes to Jesus and says, I've done these commandments, 
Look at the commandments I've done. What little thing, what thing do I have to add on to this? And Jesus gives him the task of selling everything that he has and giving it to the poor to show him that his heart is jealous, is loves money more than it loves God. In this case, here's another rich person, and there's no sense that Jesus tells him to do this, but this is the application of his salvation. As he is saved before Jesus, he calls Jesus Lord. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. There's no sense that this is expected of him. I don't know how he applied this in his life. I don't know if he immediately split half of his goods or if he, was, if he decided from now on everything that I get, I'm going to give 50% to the Lord. That's not even the point. It's not something that we follow. I'm just showing you what a repentant heart is. The scriptures are saying this is what repentance looks like. It is sold out for Jesus as Lord. It's not asking how much. It's asking, Lord, what do you, it's all yours. What do you want? And what he remains with, I mean, this is a rich man, that he can give 50% and he can give fourfold to anyone he's defrauded. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. I wonder how he can do this. How do you even remember who you failed? How, as, a, as a tax collector, how far do you take it? Do you, do you go to the people that were defrauded by the person that was underneath you? I mean, this is a tough job he's given himself if you're a legalist. If you're trying to do exactly, if you're trying to keep everything exact so that you're following a law, this isn't about law. This is about freedom. He is now free to give and he is now free to restore. And his heart is to go above and beyond in restoration. More than likely, that free heart that's responding to the gospel isn't saying, oh no, what if I miss one and God's going to strike me down? That free heart is saying, Lord, show them to me and I'll pay them. Lord, show them to me and I'll welcome them in. Lord, I would gladly, for you, give up my rights, give up my freedoms, give up my stuff, give up whatever you ask from me. Just ask it. Tell me what you want. That's the freedom response to the gospel. That's the repenting response to the gospel. How do you know if you've repented? How do you know if a tornado hit your house? It absolutely changes everything. There's not, you don't ask, Lord, what's the least I have to do to repent? I didn't go knock on a door, did the tornado hit your house? I can see it. It's no different for us. Did anybody ask the question, Zacchaeus, did you repent? Were you saved? Did it change your life? How can it be that we are saved and our life and we call Jesus Lord and there's no change? That's not, that's not a thing. Absolutely obliterated by the gospel absolutely changed by the love of Christ. That's Zacchaeus. That's the saved. Legalist asks, how, how much do I have to do? What's the least I have to do? What can, what can get me by and get me into heaven? 
remarkable salvation of God and a disciple's response is between rejoice and repent. Rejoice, Jesus wants to come to your house. Repent, Jesus wants to come to your home. Zacchaeus' response should be all of our responses. Lord, the trade is easy. Take what you want. Just save me. It's all yours. May it be used for your glory. Rejoice. Jesus wants to come to your home, and I'm speaking to you who are listening to me. Repent. Jesus wants to come to your home. Speaking to you, even online, who are at home. Believe. Jesus wants to, your come, to, come, to come to your home. Look at verses 9 and 10. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. Who would want that pinned over your house? I mean, I know the kiddos have a cross over the top of their house. It was up there for some Christmas, and it just stayed there. But who wouldn't like Jesus to place salvation has come to this house? What kind of salvation? What does that mean? Well, forgiveness for all of your sins. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm bestowed on those who are saved. The Spirit of God indwelling the one who is saved. A future where you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ where every tear will be wiped away and there will be no more evil. A, an astounding salvation. Astounding. For those who believe. For those who can say, my house is destitute and lost, corrupted by sin. I need a Savior. When Jesus saves... It is complete salvation. It is eternal salvation. It is shocking salvation. And whatever we give on this planet in response to that salvation is a pittance by comparison to what we get. Just for the moment to be able to stand before God on the day of judgment and hear clean, forgiven, righteous, Enter into your rest. It's worth it all. Believe Jesus wants to, your, to come to your home and save. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Please don't miss this. In the beginning, in verse 3, it was Zacchaeus who was seeking to see Jesus. But by verse 9, we see... Verse 10, we see that it is Jesus who is seeking to save the lost. Jesus has been, that's the reason he's going to Jerusalem. That's the reason he's come. That's the reason the scriptures were written, so that we would understand that Jesus is coming for us. He is seeking us. He is looking for those who can declare their need before him and be saved. And our job as his servants, those of us who are saved, is to tell others about him. It's our joy to tell others about him. Have you heard about my Savior? The one who saved my soul. 
There was a tornado that ravaged me. My sinfulness is deep in my heart. And Jesus came and saved me. And he came to seek and save those who are lost. Those who can admit that they're lost. What was... What were the people on the sides of the road missing? They were offended that Jesus didn't understand the social order of the day, the moral order of the day, the pecking order that they'd been taught about from the time they were kids. They missed the fact that they were desperate. Don't miss the fact that you're desperate. When I say believe Jesus wants to come to your home, it is on this very thing that so many miss their chance to be saved. Again and again, even if you just look at the last chapter, in chapter 18, you have the persistent widow receiving what she needs, the tax collector receiving, and the Pharisee not, children coming to Jesus and receiving the rich ruler doesn't receive. The blind beggar receiving sight. And now Zacchaeus comes to see and is given spiritual sight. How many in our generation, how many in this room will go home not receiving what Jesus came to give us for free? That's the biggest tragedy of all. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And people are worried about how they look in front of other people. I have such good news for you today. The heart of God is to save. To save people and homes that have been ravaged by sin. That's who God is. He is actively seeking people who will respond to him. I pray that if you haven't received that, that you would receive it this morning. Let me lead you in a prayer. We'll lead in, I'll close with two prayers, actually. Now the band come up with a second prayer. The first prayer is for any at home or here who have never received Jesus Christ as their Savior. It is a declaration of my great need of a Savior. I'm crying out to the one who's been seeking you all along. The second prayer would be that God would use our church to do his bidding. Pray with me first. I'll give a gap for you to respond if you choose to, to receive Jesus as your Savior. Heavenly Father, my life has been ravaged by sin. And unless you save me, there is no hope. But I believe that Jesus came and died for my sin. 
and I need a Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And now for the church. Heavenly Father, this year has been hard. There have been so many things that have divided people and divided the church and put us to the test. But I believe that you have left us here with one purpose. Much like Jesus passing through Jericho, attended to his father's business by meeting with Zacchaeus, we are surrounded by people looking for answers. And we are here for a short time. I pray, Father, that you would fill us with your spirit and use us for your saving purpose in our families' lives, in our neighbors' lives, and in all of our lives. Your scriptures say you came to seek and save the lost. I am declaring we're lost apart from Christ. In Jesus' name.